Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. This week, we are reading the Torah portion of Kedushim. The Torah portion of Kedushim is all about the ethical laws of the Torah. It's all about human relationships and how people have to relate to each other and to God. It's a Torah portion that is full of laws that regulate our life and make us holy. Kedushim means holy. And this Torah portion is all about the behaviors that sanctify human life in this earth. And this Torah portion could not be more relevant today. Tonight, Israel will mark Yom HaShoah, the Holocaust Remembrance Day, the day when we remember the six million Jews who perished in the Holocaust, when humankind lost its sanctity, when humankind lost its connection to God, when humankind forgot what it means to be holy and what it means to be kedushim to you, be holy. And today, this Torah portion could not be more relevant as we look at Ukraine and see the same atrocities happen all over again, albeit on a smaller scale. But in Judaism, whoever kills one person is as if they kill the entire world. And whoever saves one person is as if they've saved the entire world. So while the scale might be different, the atrocities, the loss of human image, the loss of sanctity of life, the ability of one country to bomb, rape, kill, torture civilians for its political gains is unthinkable. And as we keep saying never again, we're seeing that never again is not happening. So today's show will be dedicated to recapturing a human spirit, to capturing our holiness, to capturing what it means to be a sanctified people in this material world, in the shadow of atrocities that happened in, during the Holocaust and are happening in Eastern Europe today. Please stay tuned. We'll come back right after these messages. Israel is located in one of the most volatile areas in the world. Israel is an island of stability and a sea of war and unrest. In the midst of this turmoil, Israel stands out as a beacon of order and human progress. Each week we update you on what's happening in this, the Jewish state, a true light unto the nations. This is Jay Shapiro. Join me every Thursday on Israel News Talk Radio. as we said in the introduction, is Kedushim. The Torah commands 
לדבר אל כל הדעת בני ישראל, קדושים תהיו, כי קדוש אני השם אלוקיכם. You should command the entire people of Israel, you should be holy, because I am God who is holy. And our sages and commentators try to understand what does this mean to be holy? What is this commandment to be holy? How do you become holy? And there are several approaches to this. One approach is that a person has to sanctify himself or herself, even in the things that are permissible. For example, a person is allowed to eat kosher meat and drink kosher wine and do other things that are kosher. But even while doing things that are kosher, eating kosher meat or drinking kosher wine or doing other things, a person can do that in a way that is not refined, not sanctified. Eating more than you need, overeating, overdrinking, engaging in materialism and hedonism, even if it's kosher, more than is necessary, is not sanctified, is not holy. Holiness is about using this world for holy purposes, eating for holiness, drinking for holiness, engaging with the physical world, but understanding that it is not the engagement with the physical world that is the point. It is not the pleasure that is the point, but using the resources of the physical world for, for holy, greater, higher, sanctified purposes. That is the point. We all know people whose entire life revolves around materialism and while we're not here to judge anybody these people don't really inspire us but we also know people whose entire life revolves around helping others doing good for the world higher purpose and these people do inspire us why is that because that's the point of the world the point of the world is to be here to do something great Because listen, we all come here for 70 or 80 years. In 70, 80, 90, 120 years, we will not be here. Four, five generations down the road, nobody will remember what was your or my name. If you think back, do you know what your great-parents' names were? But what about their parents? Go back four or five generations, You don't know what those people's names were. And those people had a life. They spent 60, 70, 80 years toiling away, working on the farm, working in the factory, working in the office, paying off their debts, bringing up their kids, having the little family fights, the entire life of emotions and experiences and sometimes suffering. And that life was over. And then 100 years down the line, It's gone. It's gone from memory. Nobody knows what happened there. And the same thing will happen to us. So engaging in materialism doesn't live an imprint on the world. But living a life of higher purpose does. Because when a person lives a life of higher purpose, when a person understands that their entire life is about holiness, it's about how do I take this world and... No, not concentrate on the material side of it, but use it with a mindfulness of holiness, being holy, sanctifying myself and every use of this world, then a person can really create a difference and create a ripple of effect of kindness. That steak you ate in a restaurant 20 years ago, 
you probably don't remember it. It's gone, long gone. The pleasure of it is long gone. But that one act of courage, that one act of choice, that one act of help, of selflessness, of helping somebody, I bet every single one of you can think of one time, and probably more than one time, when you went above and beyond the call of duty, when you did something special, something courageous, something extraordinary, when you helped somebody more than you needed, when you created better life for somebody in your life, when you did something special. I bet every one of us has those experiences. 20 years down the line, that experience is still with you. 20 years down the line, you can still remember it. You can still feel happy and proud of what you did at that time because that experience is eternal. That's an experience of holiness. That's an experience of something great, of using the material world for higher sanctified purpose. And just like you remember it down the line after 20 years, it will be remembered forever because God doesn't forget. Because experiences like that, actions like that are timeless. And that is one way of looking at Kiddushim to you. But there is another way. Rabbi Elimelech of Lezhensk a great Hasidic master who wrote a book called Noam Elimelech says that Kedushim to you means that a person needs to sanctify themselves in the material world by believing in God who runs the world and who creates the world every single second through the ten spirits, through the different mechanisms of creation that God has created. And that God is endless, omnipotent, and that God is encompassing the world at every single moment, and that God gives us goodness in every single moment. And if people understand that, if people understand that they're living in a world created by God, then they understand their own place in the world, and then they understand how they're supposed to live, they understand what the priorities are, what's important. Being sanctified means keeping your priorities straight, understanding how the world works, and being constantly mindful of God's creation, of God's will in the world, of what is God's purpose for the world. But if you forget that, if we forget that, if we forget who God is, if we forget that God created the world, if we forget that God creates the world every single moment, if we forget that every single moment is a creation that invites us for an opportunity, for a purpose. If we think that what was yesterday will be the same tomorrow, if we lose sight of godliness in this world, then we can no longer be holy. We can no longer live a life of being mindful of God because this mindfulness leads our behavior. Just yesterday, I gave this class in my community, and one of the women said that when she stands at the bus stop and waits for the bus, she sometimes looks around at nature, at the trees, at the birds around her, and she just thinks, wow, what a beautiful world God created. 
You see, we all have those minutes. We all have those moments. We're just standing there. And that moment is a choice. That moment is an invitation. That moment when you're sitting, waiting for the doctor, or waiting for your bus, or stuck in traffic, or, you know, drinking your coffee, or walking down the street, every one of those moments is an invitation. And what you will do with the potential of that time depends on your mindfulness. Will you use it for holiness? And using it for holiness means something as small as saying, wow, look at that tree, what a beautiful creation of God. And then you took that one moment and was just your thought with putting it on godliness. You've sanctified it. You made yourself holy. You made the world holy. You've elevated the physical reality to something special. Or you can just spend that moment on nothing, of just looking around. Or you can actually drag that moment down by being annoyed and angry that you missed the bus or that you have to wait for the doctor. Every moment has that potential for holiness. And it all depends on where we're looking at. What are we thinking? And that is what Normal Amalek tells us. That's something special. That's special quality of holiness that goes beyond the mitzvot. There's no commandment to be holy aside for this one of Kedoshim to you. How do you become a holy nation? And people who have this outlook, once again, of seeing the good in everything, of seeing the holiness in everything, of seeing potential in everything, of seeing the good in everything, of using these opportunities to do good, and the opportunities to, go, to do good are all around us. These people truly inspire us. And the Noam Elamelech goes on to say that everything that exists in the lower world exists in the higher world. Everything we see here around us is just a reflection of something better, greater, higher, more holy, more elevated, more godly. And we have the potential to find that. And by finding that holy spark in the physical world, we elevate it, we elevate ourselves, we elevate the world, and we become holy. And that is what true holiness is about. It's not about some rabbi sitting in a closed room and reading a book for 40 years and becoming holy. Every single person in Judaism is enjoined and commanded to become holy because holiness is not just for some special people. Holiness is for every single one of us. Every person has the potential to become holy if they connect to godliness in this world. And the opposite is also true. Every single person has the potential to lose that holiness if they lose sight of godliness and sanctity of life. And more about that after the break. Tamar Yona Show. Tamar? She's sassy. She's smart. She's funny. But she's also a real Jewish mother. 
Hi, everybody. I'm Tamar Yona. And yes, I can be all of those things. But at Israel News Talk Radio, I'm here to bring you the news stories and guests that you may not hear anywhere else. Join me live on air Sundays, Mondays, and Tuesdays for the most unique and bold talk radio in Israel. The Tamar Yona Show. by finding the good, the opportunity, the spark of godliness in every single moment. But a person, a nation, a people, humanity can also lose their holiness, lose their sanctity, lose their human image if they forget that God created the world, if they forget the point of the world, if they forget the point of creation and become minded of the small, narrow agendas of politics, of what the other nation has, of their own craziness. And this is how humanity spirals down into a war. And this is how a humanity spirals down into atrocities, into Holocaust. Holocaust happened because one madman created an ideology that was devoid of God. Because one madman had a thought that he is God, that he is the biggest, greatest creation, that he gets to decide how nations and people will live their life. And that one madman led to a war that brought the loss of 50 million lives and brought to the extinction of 6 million Jews, including 1.5 million children. Of course, and you know which madman I'm talking about. But today, almost 80 years later, another madman is leading the world to, into a war for no reason other than his own narrow political gains. There's really no reason for this war between Russia and Ukraine. There's nothing for Russia to look in for in Ukraine. But Russia decided to open this war because Putin needs political gains, because he is led by this grand vision of a Russian empire, because he sees himself as an emperor. He sees himself as greater and bigger than anybody else because he lost, actually he never had, the sight of God. And so today, Russian shells are raining down on Ukrainian cities and villages, and people are losing their lives. Today, Russian tanks are driving into neighborhoods, turning around, and shooting at buildings. Today, Russian soldiers are performing atrocities in Ukraine. Today, Russian soldiers are sitting in somebody's kitchen, eating somebody's food. 
taking somebody's valuables while that person is stuck in a refugee camp in Poland or in Romania or in uh, Hungary or in Western Ukraine. Today, there is a woman who is being tortured by a Russian soldier. Today, there is a child who does not have his or her parents. Today is a mother who's writing her name and phone number on the back of her child's her child's back so that if the child is lost, she has a chance of finding her. Today, the tens and hundreds of thousands of Ukrainian citizens that have been deported into Russia and stuck there without a way of getting back home. Today, the hundreds of thousands of people who did not sleep at night because they're suffering from post-trauma, because every noise sets them on edge, because every bird flying over their head sounds like a plane that may rain uh, bombs down on their head. And all of this suffering is happening for one reason only, because there's one person for God that God created the world for a purpose. Because this one person who thinks that he is God. And this is not over. And this is not going to end in Ukraine. I want you to remember this name. And this name is Transnistria. Transnistria is a narrow strip of land between Moldova and Ukraine. Go ahead, Google it. Transnistria, find it on the map, because I know that 99% of you don't know where that is. Transnistria is an area in the country of Moldova, which declared its independence from Moldova 30 years ago, but was never recognized by any country. Transnistria is ran by pro-Russian separatists. Over the past few days, Russians have staged a few provocations shelling their own Ministry of Foreign Affairs and shelling one of the Transnistrian villages. And then Russian leadership said that they have to go out and protect the Russian citizens of Transnistria from God knows whom. The point of this exercise is to give Russia a pretext to now attack Ukraine, not only from the East, but also from the West. Because Putin desperately needs a victory a victory. He needs to get to somewhere. He has to show something, some kind of an accomplishment. It has taken Russians 60 days, almost two months, to shell Mariupol out of existence. And today, yes, they might have captured the city, but there's really nothing there to capture. The city is 90% gone, and its citizens are 90% gone. So what Putin needs is a victory, and that victory is called Odessa. Odessa is a port city on the Black Sea. It's a brand name. It's a trademark in Russia. And if Putin gets Odessa, he has a victory. Now, he also has a deadline. That deadline is called May 9th. Ironically, May 9th is the date that the Russians and the Allies won a victory over Nazi Germany. This whole war between Ukraine and Russia is being run 
on World War II narratives and ideology. Russians are calling Ukrainians Nazis. Ukrainians are calling Russians back fascists or Russo-fascists. And this entire war is being ran on Nazi and anti-Nazi narratives. Both sides are claiming that they're fighting against the Nazis, against the fascism. So, ironically, with Putin going down the same path to hell as Hitler did 80 years ago, ironically, Putin has marked his calendar for May 9th, the World War II Victory Day, to be the day when he gets his victory over something. And that something is probably called Odessa. Now, the tensions in Transnistria can pull Moldova into the war. Moldova is a small, poor country stuck between Ukraine and Romania. And that that happens. There is a Jewish community in Moldova that is probably in danger right now that will have to be evacuated from there. Moldova has also been a transition point for many of the refugees from Ukraine into Europe. And if Moldova goes down, then Romania is next. And this small area called Transnistria, I dare you to remember the name, could lead the entire world into World War III. This is what happens when people forget the commandment of Kedushim Tiyu, of being holy, when people forget that God created the world, that holiness means serving God for a higher purpose, not serving ourselves, not putting our own narrow national, political, or personal interests ahead of everything else. Because Yes, most of us don't have the power of Putin. Most of us are not corrupted like Putin. But this example of what happens, the evil that happens in the world when somebody puts his personal narrow interests ahead of everything else, that example is there for us to see. And I call on all of you to please pray for peace, as banal and jaded as that sounds, to pray for peace, not only for Ukraine and for Moldova and for Transnistria, for the entire world, because the peace of the entire world is on the scale right now. This thing really has the potential to break out and endanger many, many, many more people. So we all need to put our own interests aside. We all need to take this example and use it in our life to understand that we all have a power of change. What we see in world news is a mirror for every one of us. How can we be more holy? How we can put our personal interests more aside and see the holiness in every moment? How do we sanctify the world and come back to a place of kiddushim to you? of being holy, of sanctifying the world. Stay tuned, because after the break, we will talk about one aspect of holiness, 
that is so missing in our society that is actually the opposite of what the Torah calls on us to do. Another aspect of sanctifying ourselves and the world. Stay tuned, we'll be back right after this break. In a time where feelings have become fact, where rational thought and common sense has disappeared, one man stands above it all. I'm Howie Sobaker, your political hitman. Political Hitman airs every Tuesday at 11.59 p.m. North American time, 7 a.m. Israeli time, only on Israel News Talk Radio. to be holy, to go beyond the call of duty, to look out for others and not being only concerned with ourselves. One of the ways that we are holy is an agricultural commandment to a farmer who gathers wheat or grapes is not to gather the field or the vineyard clean. That means if there are individual stocks that fell out of his hand, he has to leave them there. And every farmer has to leave a corner of his field ungathered. And the point is for the poor people to then to be able to come and gather the individual stocks that fell down or the um, corner of the field. And the same is true for somebody, a farmer who is gathering his grapes in a vineyard, he's not allowed to take certain clusters of grapes that do not have, who are not fully developed. And also if the individual grapes that fall down, he's not allowed to pick them up. He's supposed to leave that for the poor people to come and gather for themselves so that they have food to eat. And actually, this commandment is the foil for the biblical story of Ruth. When Ruth and her mother Naomi come back to the land of Israel and they're poor, Naomi tells Ruth to go out into the field and go and gather wheat together with the poor. And this is how she meets her uh, relative Boaz. And that's the foil background for the story of Ruth. So this is one of the commandments. The commandment is don't take it all for yourself. You are not alone in the world. My grandfather used to say, whoever it's alone chokes. So the Torah tells us, yes, it's your farm. You're gathering your wheat. You're gathering your grapes. But don't take it all. You're not alone. Leave something for somebody else. That's part of being holy. That's part of understanding that we live in society. And there are other people out there who need our help. And one of the ways we help those who are less fortunate is by leaving for them. And the additional laws on how people are supposed to act towards those who are vulnerable in this Torah portion. Unfortunately, in our world, we are trying to erase this understanding of vulnerability. On the one hand, we're speaking out against ableism 
and against people who are um, all concentrated on what they're able to do. But on the other hand, there is this narrative of not recognizing vulnerabilities and whitewashing vulnerabilities and things that people cannot do. So we don't talk about people being blind or, or deaf. We call them challenged. We find all kinds of languages to whitewash. But the Torah says, no, if somebody has a vulnerability, you have to be mindful of it. And you have to behave towards that person in a way that is facilitates their best functioning considering their vulnerability. So you're not allowed to put a stumbling block in front of a blind person. And that's true literally, and that's true figuratively. If somebody could not see, you have to take that into account in how you manage your interaction with that person. You can't just whitewash vulnerabilities. But there's another message, which I think is so, so important in this mitzvah, in this commandment of leket of leaving grain and grapes there for the poor. And it's a homiletical explanation also given by Noam Elimelech, Rabbi Elimelech of Lezhensk. See, when there are individual stocks, individual grapes left in the field, so Rabbi Elimelech says he compares that to our individual acts. And he says, when you do something good, don't let that be known to everybody. He uses some play in words from the Torah to say that when people do good acts, when people act properly, when people actually are holy, when they elevate this world, just like we spoke in the earlier parts of the show, when you act with courage, you act with dignity, you make those special choices, you do something good for the world, make sure not to make that public. Take those good acts and keep them quiet. That's what makes them special. Because if you talk about them, then that loses the sanctity. That gives you that side gain of your pride. And people can actually do amazing things. But then when they boast of them, when they become proud of their actions, when they talk too much, there is that taste of the action not being done for the higher purpose, but the action being done for the ego. And ego is such a problem in our world, and people very often feed their egos by doing these great deeds, by being so accomplished. Our entire world is about accomplishment and public relations. If you didn't talk about it, it didn't happen. If it wasn't written in the paper... It didn't happen. And so often people feed their egos with their accomplishments by talking about their accomplishments. But the Rabbi Lamelech says, no, you have an accomplishment. You did something special. You have special qualities. Don't talk about that. Don't let that be known. Don't spread that to people. Don't feed that to people. Except under two conditions. And once again, he uses more play on words to say that there are two times when a person can talk about the condition, their actions. They can do that in order to inspire somebody else. If you know that you can inspire another person 
to also do something great, then that's a great reason to tell them about what you're doing. And another time when a person can talk about his accomplishments or his or her good sides is when a person wants to bring down goodness into the world. For example, when a person says, Hashem, God, I've done this and this deed. I've tried to serve you. I'm trying to do what's good and pleasurable in your eyes. I'm trying to do your will. Please, in the merit of that, you can uh, do this and that thing. Or you, they make um, a request because what they're doing is they're talking about the goodness of their acts, of the Jewish people's acts, of the world's acts, as a way to bring pleasure to God and bring down good and blessing into the world. So these are the times either to teach other people, to inspire other people, to show other people how to do goodness, how to create more holiness in the world, or to request from God more blessing for the world. These are the times when people can talk about their accomplishments and about their good traits. But Torah's approach is actually the opposite of how the Western world works today. It's not about making your accomplishments known. It's not about taking pride in your accomplishments. In fact, some rabbis say that when a person boasts of their accomplishment, they actually lose the reward they have for that accomplishment, for that good act, because they get the world in, in this world. When a person boasts about something they did, about their accomplishment, about their act of kindness, then they get all this pleasure from the feedback they get, from the social status they get. And that becomes their reward. My f- husband's family came from Yemen to Israel in the late 1940s. And they were extremely poor. They lived in tent cities. And after that, they built a house out away from everybody else. But uh, slowly, other people from other countries started moving into the neighborhood and built houses around the house. Both of my husband's grandparents would do acts of kindness and they would not even tell each other. One of them would send my mother-in-law out to give chicken to a poor family and say, you don't let anybody know about this. And then the father would come and give my mother-in-law a loaf of bread and send her to a different person without letting his wife know about this act of kindness. There were people who would do kindness all the time for everybody, and they would keep those acts of kindness a secret, even from their own spouses. I think it's a great example of dignity, of doing good for others without letting it be known. Keeping your acts of kindness a secret, a little secret between you and God, that makes them holy because it's an intimate experience between you and God in which you took a moment to do something good for the world because you see the sanctity of the world. You're mindful of God's creation of the world. You're mindful of God's purpose of the world. And you help others. You go beyond yourself as a way to sanctify your possessions, your time, your actions, and everything around you. So I really hope that this show has been insightful and interesting for you, that you're taking something away. And I suggest that every one of my listeners, please take a moment 
to think of how you can sanctify yourself, your time, your actions, how you can do that one small act of kindness for somebody that is going to be your little secret, how we can create an answer, an antidote to the horrible suffering in Ukraine by doing more good, how we can create an antidote for all this evil with more love and goodness to other people. And if you're in Europe or in Israel and you know a refugee family, I urge you to go out of your way and help them. Have a great week, and I will see you next week on our show with more news from the Torah. Bye-bye. get the inside news on Israel. At Israel News Talk Radio, we're dedicated to sharing Israel's inside story with the world by providing our listeners with news on Israeli politics, current affairs, and Israeli Jewish culture. The Israel News Talk Radio homepage also provides you, the listener, with useful information at your fingertips with scrolling news headlines, weather, currency exchange, Shabbat candlelighting times, and so much more. Our radio programming is always accessible and on demand. We operate absolutely free of charge for everyone, everywhere. If you love what we do, partner with us now by becoming an Israel News Talk Radio supporter. With your support, you'll be inscribed on our Israel News Talk Radio Wall of Fame. There's nothing like us in the world. Be part of something great. Israel News Talk Radio. Straight talk from Israel. Howdy, this is Rita from League City, Texas, now living in Israel. And though my heart may have belonged to Texas, it now belongs to Israel and all the fantastic show hosts at Israel News Talk Radio. Hi, this is Michael Solomon from Kiryat Arba, Israel. And why do I love listening to Israel News Talk Radio? Because I love listening to the interesting interviews they do and their news reporting that most other media sources don't cover. Hey, this is Nicole Eko from Malmo, Sweden. It gets pretty cold here in Sweden, so I love cuddling up with a warm cup of tea while I listen to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, everybody, this is Frank Norris from Tennessee. Me and my dog Buster really love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. <laughs> You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. opinion and more you're listening to israel news talk radio